Hello, and uh, thank you for attending our podcast session. Uh, today, we'll be discussing the topic of comparing the justice uh, slash prison system of the U.S. to Norway. Um, there's pretty comparable differences between both of these countries, and potentially by emphasizing the differences in Norway, we might be able to see um, and predict the different practices that the U.S. may be able to adopt in order to improve the current system with issues such as mass incarceration. Um, Without further ado, let's get started. This project is in association with Southern New Hampshire University and Project AIM. Um, more information will be provided at the launch of these podcasts. Um, but my name is Jacob Stanley Butler. I'm Gianna Russell. My name is Emily Callahan. My name is Greta Salvador. And I'm Chloe Griffin. Um, and without further ado, let's get right into it. Um, so there's three main topics that we were going to kind of discuss in this main uh, umbrella of comparing the justice system between these two countries. Uh, the three topics uh, divided between each of us, we're going to talk about the level of mass incarceration between uh, these two countries. Then we're going to talk about the quality of life within the, each of the prison systems to make a comparison about those like more of the um, normal daily routine that um, incarcerated individuals are sent through on a daily basis. And then we'll cover the third topic, which is life after prison and the effects, uh, which will um, discuss the probability of readdress or recidivism. And we'll also be talking about employment likelihood um, after you um, exit a, a prison system facility. Um, but then we'll go ahead and close out with the practices that the U.S. system can adopt for the better is a little bit of a closing up, um, a little bit more of an open discussion between all of us. But um, we'll go ahead and open things up with the level of mass incarceration. So as we've all kind of been discussing in this class for a couple of weeks, so we are in a course um, that has tasked us with creating these podcasts, as well as um, having this um, overall discussion about the level of uh, mass incarceration that has taken place uh, for a series of decades that it's happened it's since the mid 1900s almost, and since the prison systems have happened, it's just been a steady increase, especially so in the United States. Um, it has one of the most uh, prominent, um, one of the most prominent uh, mass incarceration rates in all of the world. Um, from this statistic, uh, the U.S. actually has 716 people every 100,000 people that are incarcerated, which is actually kind of insane. Um, and then when you're comparing to in this discussion to a uh, country such as Norway, which on report has one of the best prison systems in the world, Norway it's only 72 in every 100,000 people, which is a super drastic difference if you think about it. Whereas um, the US is almost 10% of its population being placed within, or sorry, I apologize, 1% uh, of its population being placed within the prison system. Whereas Norway is very much under 1%, like a more like 0.07% of its population being placed in there, which is absolutely insane to think about considering that um, the, the drastic difference is being placed about two completely different um, countries at the end of the day. And overall, over 2.3 million people are incarcerated in the U.S. as a whole, which is even more crazy to think about that that mass amount of people, which doesn't sound a lot when you're putting into perspective the millions of people in the U.S., but like when looking towards like the single ratio of that group of people, 2.3 million people, like that's insane. Um, and then the sentencing rate by statistic is also six times six to 10 times higher um, in most comparable nations as well. 
Um, so there's a higher incarceration time and um, that's not based on total imprisonment, uh, imprisonments. Um, when comparing the U.S. to Norway as kind of like an overall comparison, the U.S. Um, seems to have um, more of a system that's based on higher incarceration time as opposed to rearrest, whereas Norway is, um, Norway is more focused on the rearrest, which is something we'll discuss a little bit more as well. 20% um, of state prisoners and 33% of federal prisoners serve more than five years, and the highest penalty in the Norway system is only 21 years. And so the fact that those years are even close, that shows that the range of penalty between these two countries is also drastically different as well, because if you're placing the U.S. system on average at five years, and you're not even considering what the highest may be, and I'm sure we're all aware that's like more in the realm of death penalty as well as um, these large scale sentencings. I'm sure we've also seen like some people are being sentenced to 30,000 years in prison, which I mean, when you step back, sounds a little silly, but if the US is trying to confirm and determine that somebody is going to spend the rest of their life in prison, they wanna do everything deemed possible to make sure that they spend the rest of their life in there. And they're trying to incorporate the rules and statistics of the law to uphold how many years they would take. And so like if there's, a, let's say for example, like a mass genocide, like that's more in the realm of something that would cause 30,000 years to take place. Um, and so both countries experience a spike in imprisonment at a certain point in time as well. So we actually saw towards the mid 1980s, there was actually a large scale um, increase of violent crime and drug offenses from 1980 to 2000, which is where a spike actually happened in both of these countries. So for the US, it was from 220 to 683 in every 100,000. So over a 400 person increase in the 100,000 ratio that we were talking about before. And that's where their huge spike has happened. Although the growth has decreased, it's still increasing at the end of the day. And for Norway, it's more measured in a percentage since the ratio is much smaller for them. They went from 44% to 60 uh, to 60% of their overall incarceration, which is large for their ratio, but is still significantly lower than you'll see for Norway as comparison to the US. And so I know this is a lot of numbers that we're kind of chucking out there, but it kind of paints that picture of how drastic the U.S. mass incarceration uh, level is so much worse than that of other countries. And of course, we're picking two exact opposites in this case, considering the fact that Norway is record to be one of the best. But um, we wanted to pose a question, and we'll kind of go around and discuss it, and I wanted to pose it to you guys too. Um, but the question that I kind of posed here is, um, do you think the increase that took place in the 1980s as well in the, is in the early 2000s is primarily caused by the drug crises in these areas, or could the timing be both increasing also be partially a coincidence? So do you think that the, the drug and violent crime that took place in these two decades is the primary cause of this drastic increase in both the countries? Or is it also just the flow of time, increasing population, just the natural cause a pattern set through by each country to be at the current rate and just be consistent. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think it was caused by that crisis or was it just coincidence? I'm looking at the information. Um, you kind of just, I feel as though personally it is due to the drug um, crises in the area because as more people are more familiar with the drugs, different forms of the drugs come out then more generations of kids and, and people um, start using these drugs. So I personally feel like it's not a, um, a 
con or uh, it's not due to the timing of the increasing um, in both eras or whatever. But um, I personally think it's because of the crises. Yeah, I was going to jump in there and also say that I think that there should be some sort of correlation or I see some sort of correlation between the two, um, kind of which we'll get into this a little bit later, um, just the reincarceration piece. But um, drugs are part of that cycle as well. Um, and prisoners get going into prison for drugs and then coming right back out and modeling the same behaviors. Um, I think that that would also make sense and maybe explain the time lapse of, the, of that period. Yeah, I think like, I don't think that it's a coincidence, but like to have two different, completely different places in the, during the same time, that type of stuff happens. Like, I think it has to do with definitely the era of drugs and all that crisis stuff like that. I would agree also. And I think what plays a role in it is, um, because the U.S. was obviously had a much higher rate, like um, how each country handled it and the severity to which they held those offenders at. Um, like if you look at it, the maximum prison sentence you had said in Norway is 21 years. So most of those people from that time are probably just getting released or were released. And in the U.S., they're probably still um in there so I think it'd be interesting if you can like go back and look and see like what the records were for those years I think you would see um, that they're correlated. Absolutely and you bring up a really good point there where there's kind of differing con uh, consistency between how the law is upheld now versus how it was upheld in the past. These crises probably caused the law to be uh, more emphasized in, in comparison to the past like um, if you look back at the law, you know, 20 years ago, it's probably going to be written about the same, but at the end of the day, how it's being, how it's being upheld and how it's being practiced is probably going to be more emphasized now. And there's going to be prejudices and there's going to be these actions going to be taken based on this information. And that's why these increased mass incarcerations take place because all of these multitudes of factors and information enter, um, do you guys think that based on the drug crises, um, certain official officers and practicers of the law um, try to uphold a different perspective because of this drug crisis take, taking place? Do you guys think like that also plays a role in their decision-making possibly? I know that was kind of just another different question, but just like one of you, if you wanted to like just comment on that. Well, I would say, I think it's hard because to some degree, you know, there are drugs that 20 years ago were completely wrong and you would get in prison for it. And now today, in today's world, we're seeing the same drugs. Um, they're being legalized, specifically marijuana. I mean, there's a large amount of population is in prison for the selling um, and using of marijuana. And I think that it's, it's just interesting because when you're an officer, I think that's something you definitely have to account for is, yeah, like we don't want a drug crisis. We don't want to we don't want gateway drugs um, leading to worse, you know, things for the population. But it's definitely interesting because there's a very in-between stage right now where there's a lot of state laws and federal laws that are differing. So it's definitely something to consider. 
Yeah, well said. I think, yeah, it's very important to note the kind of like a gateway effect that takes place, not only from a drug perspective, but also from a practice perspective um, from both sides of the law. And I, yeah, that was a good note that you made. Thank you. Um, I believe that covers everything I wanted to kind of discuss as an overarching of like what the issue is between the two um, of that level of mass incarceration. Um, I'm more than ready to go and hand it off to Emily, but I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Did anybody want to make any final thoughts on the what factor? I can go ahead and start the next topic. Um, so what I'm focusing on is the quality of life inside um, prisons and specifically focusing on Norway and what they have implemented. So I'll give you a little bit of background information um, on their prison system because um, we know ours pretty well. Um, so Norway is known around the world for its focus on rehabilitation and its low reoffending rates achieved through its humane and forward thinking approach. What matters most for prisoners and staff in Norwegian prisons is to be seen, heard, and respected as human beings. As opposed to most countries, Norway's main focus is on rehabilitation, not punishment. Uh, the goal to be making a better neighbor um, is about taking inmates seriously and giving them the building blocks needed to assimilate back into society, reducing their chance of reoffending. Kind of like we what we just touched on um, and uh, prison sentencing. So they're with the max of 21 years, they're going to be released or most of them. Um, so it's getting them to a point where they can go back into society, get jobs, um, get housing. Um, and then so some of the key differences I had found throughout my research is the degree of freedom and trust prisoners are giving starting with basic living conditions. Norwegian jails are designed to mimic the outside world. They have art installations in the hallways. They have ample access to windows, to look out to grass and trees. Um, their cells are comparable to our dorm rooms. They have ensuite bathrooms and flat screen TVs. They're given toothbrushes, toothpaste, soap, razors, like all your basic toiletries um, free of charge, same as food and drink. Um, and which is actually really cool though, their food and drink is they're given everything they need to make a meal and with other inmates they're they make meals like in the kitchen um, so they're not served they actually make their own meals um, and get to cook together um, and what i believe may make the biggest difference is um, what they're given to do during their free time they can take a variety of classes including art classes music cooking and woodwork um, they can watch movies and play video games together all of which help to create a sense of normality and humanity inside the prisons, um, which I believe greatly impacts the quality of life, as well as positively affecting mental health and overall well-being. Um, so my question for you guys is, knowing that what matters most for Norwegian prisoners is to be seen, heard, and respected as human beings, what can the U.S. do to ensure that prisoners here feel that same way? They feel seen, they feel heard, and respected. And how do you believe this would help improve the quality of life inside prison here? Well, I don't know if it's appropriate to say in this case, but like from the sounds of it, I kind of want to go to prison now. <laughs> but like the factors being mentioned, like, wow, like the, the like you said, the freedom and the liberty that they're given to like simulate almost real life that's taking place on the outside. Um, I think if that exact factor were mimicked in the U.S. where you're almost simulating the exact experience that you'd be having on the outside world. So that way it doesn't feel like 
um, it doesn't feel like some form of abandonment or isolation because then when they enter the real world, you know, after the, their sentence, like say if they are sent to the max 21 years, you know, um, for the US, that would completely set you back another generation. People trying to use Zoom, like we've heard these stories where people are trying to use Zoom now when they left incarceration and they have no idea what they're doing. They have some kind of counselor like Emily, you brought up a story a couple of weeks ago, um, if you happen to want to touch on that, um, where there was actually an incarcerated individual that was led by a mentor to try and understand how to go into a Zoom meeting. And he was just sent just a blatant general email of directions without even knowing even what email is to understand like what to do with these Zoom calls. So like, I think it's really important to mimic, like I have that mimicry, mimicry? Yeah, mimicry and like simulation where it's almost the same exact prison experience as it would to be an outside experience too. Yeah, so I, I sent that to you guys a few weeks ago um, that it was a Twitter thread and it had a bunch of details on the mentor who was telling about the prisoner. Um, and the part that I found that was interesting is that he, this prisoner specifically didn't have the, the basic laptop skills um, upon exiting. So yeah, he, it, you are set generations back um, because the mentor was talking about how she literally had to teach him how to turn on a computer, how to sign into a computer, um, you know, stuff that I think obviously our generation takes for granted that we learned, but there have been people who have been locked up and have not had that opportunity to learn that um, for generations, so. Yeah, I'll touch into this in a little bit um, during my section, but there are multiple articles of people struggling so horribly after coming out of the prison system. And they say, you leave jail, but you never really leave jail. Or you leave prison, but you never really leave prison. And I feel like the US, they are, there are a couple of examples. For example, Texas is doing, um, is focusing more on reciprocating a Norwegian style prison um, uh, style. Um, which is encouraging their focus, like Emily had said, on rehabil rehabilitation over um, punishment. Um, so it, that's obviously great to see. And then um, states are initiating the ban the box legisl legislation, with, which um, prevents employers from asking about your criminal record in the initial application. So that's just another way for them to have kind of a clean slate that I feel like more, only 25 states have done that. So half the country, but once we get that going um, for the whole country, I feel like that'll be really beneficial because you're always gonna have that in the back of your head and um, one mistake shouldn't always define you. I think also just to mention, I know you had talked about um, Emily, how they keep in Norway, they keep all their prisoners very active and there's a lot of activities to do. Um, I actually stumbled across a mental health study and it said that active inmates are less likely to be feeling stressed and hostile, um, which those feelings I think definitely don't go away after prison. So I think that might be another factor is that maybe the US, which I'll talk a little bit later about how we can um, improve the US prison system, but maybe something they can look at is increasing the amount of activity that prisoners are getting. Yeah, definitely. I think that's super important. Another, th another thing is, sorry to interrupt, but if we wanted like the US to incorporate some of these ideas that Norway has it like it's going to be a process and everyone knows that but like if we start slowly incorporating them over time it may help in the long run to do so and I know it's something that we can't just be like okay next day Norway system prison tomorrow 
it's it's something that's definitely going to take over time to do. Yeah, I agree. Um, just implementing small steps. Um, just um, briefly before we go on to the next topic, there's one more example I wanted to share. So they have an island prison there. And I had read this article and a woman was going um, over there to do an interview and walk through the um, prison. And it was actually an inmate who went over on the ferry to get her and like bring her over. And he wasn't surrounded by guards or anything. They trusted in him to do his job. And that's exactly what he did. He went over and he got her and he'd asked her like, are you scared? And she was like thinking about it. And at first she was, but then she's like, well, there's no need to, he's just um, a person. Like you shouldn't have to fear them. And I think that's one of the parts that we have to look at here is how do we treat them more humanely? How do we treat them as if they're not some scary person, like trusting them. And I feel like that's really important, especially for when they um, get out to get jobs and stuff. It's about trusting them and knowing that, yes, they made a mistake. No matter how big it is, you have to give them another chance. I think that's interesting too that you say that, Emily, just because there are, I think that that also speaks to the the rehabilitation process that goes on within the prison because there are prisoners that maybe you can't trust when they get out because they haven't taken it upon themselves to go through that process fully. Um, So I do think that they're all kind of tied together in the fact that Norway prisoners get out and society can kind of trust them because they've seen that rehabilitation that the United States doesn't necessarily focus on as much. Yeah, exactly. And we can go on to the next topic. Um, If Gianna, if you want to do that. Yeah. So I had life after prison and kind of the effects of it. Um, Just going off of what Emily had said, um, in Norway, there are minimum and maximum um, security prisons. Um, They do have one called the Halden, which is second of its kind, and it receives people worldwide. Um, But it, it encompasses the characteristics that Emily had said. So Um, Windows don't have bars, um, dorm-like living and whatnot. Um, And like like she had mentioned, they go off a restorative justice, which is like she had mentioned, um, rehabilitation over punishment, um, encouraging better living conditions, uh, lack of overcrowding. And what they do particularly that helps with life after prison um, in comparison to the US is job training, education and drug treatment programs. Um, They have a lot of post-release support that helps with the recidivism rates um, in these in Norway versus the United States. And what I had found um, was that the recidivism rate in Norway is at 20%. Um, this is according to 2020 statistics. And the recidivism rate in the US was 76.6%. Um, and just going back off of a lot of it intertwines with um, what Emily had said, but the issues. in in regard to housing, treatment, and employment um, in the United States really affect those coming out of prison in the US. And there are so many, like countless articles of of incarcerated people leaving jail and having no idea how to do basic tasks. Some some of them were in jail for so long and they have no idea how to live in the society that we're in right now. um, for example, there's three articles that I had pointed out here. There's one's called Why It's Hard to Be a Lifer Who's Getting Out of Prison. After 34 years in, inside, some, sometimes you never feel free. 
Um, what are inmates learning in prison? Not much. A new survey of 2,000 federal prisoners revealing big gaps in teaching reentry skills. Um, and those reentry skills and in coming into um, society are just really essential. And that's what Norway does so well. And that's why it makes them one of the most successful with one of the lowest, um, if not the lowest recidivism rate. And then life after life without parole. Um, there's a specific story about Ronald, Ronald Elston, who spent more than 30 years in prison with no preparation for what he would do if he got out. Um, and like Emily had mentioned, all will be released for the most part. Um, in Norway, there's no life sentences. And I just kind of have a question that I'm going to pose to you guys. It's, do you believe that there is a greater fear of the prison system in the U.S. as opposed to Norway? Are some taking advantage of the benefits that they have in prison and post-incarceration? Incarceration? And um, off the statistics, I personally believe that there is a greater fear because God only knows what type of condition they're going to be in when they get out. And they really don't know how long they're going to be in there, whereas those in Norway know the maximum sentence isn't a life sen sentence. So there is some hope there and there is some motivation to utilize those post um, incarceration skill or like entering the society skills. Um, so I'm just curious of what you guys think. Yeah. So what's kind of interesting about that is um, when talking about the life sentence, um, that actually connects to the next podcast that we're going to do as well. The further discussion, there's actually um, a incident that happened in a place of Norway. I don't want to give too much about it give away too much about it. It's an individual called Ander, uh, Anders Bering Berevik. If I if I pronounce that correctly, and he served the max 21 21 year sentence on account of his actions, and even on account of the actions that he had taken because of his good behavior during his sentence in prison, he was let out early on parole, which is a whole other factor to consider. Like alongside the fact that you might be given this max sentence or whatever sentence you do receive, based on your good behavior, there's also the pardons that you receive along the way and those little checkpoints that you have while being in prison that determine if you are going to stay the the sentenced amount of time or perhaps you're going to make it out a little bit earlier and so those two factors kind of play like hand in hand like when it comes to the actual sentencing like the actual time and then the then the potential parole time which also takes place in that country i just wanted to take note of that I definitely feel like I'd rather, this is like kind of like, I don't know. I'd rather feel like I'd want to go to a Norway prison versus a United States prison. It just the United States seems like, like a very scary, like strict, like you get what you deserve kind of thing where Norway, you're kind of learning that you did wrong, but you're also being treated in a right way, like in a humane way. Yeah, I, I think that the fear of each different prison system kind of speaks to how harsh the climate is within that system, like Emily was saying. Um, there's a reason why you would feel that way, and it's because of the treatment that prisoners are getting and the difference between that. Yeah, I agree, and I also don't think it's just um, fear, because you were talking about um, like the reconviction rate. I think Although, like, I definitely believe the U.S. is much scarier, a much scarier situation to be in regarding your safety, your mental health, um, 
what the living conditions will be like, um, but the people that end up going back, I don't think it's necessarily that they're not scared to. I think it's that they're put into a situation and yes, everyone is given a choice like to do right or wrong. Um, but sometimes if you go back, you can't get a job. You're just pushed back into the same lifestyle you had before and then you end up in the same exact place. So I don't think they're ending, not ending up there because they're not scared of it. I don't think they're going back because they're not scared of it. I think they're going back because they've been pushed just into the same loophole. They're just ending right back where they were um, because maybe they weren't given the tools they needed to come back in. Maybe weren't, they weren't given the opportunity to give a job. So I think that's what we have to focus more on um, is providing those resources. And us as like a community, the US as a society has to work on accepting those individuals. One hundred percent, and what just to note, um, the one I think it was. <laughs> it's technology. It's okay. It's part of the podcast. It's part of the fun. It's part of the fun. <laughs> um, just to note, um, I believe it was the governor of um Kentucky or the head of the Justice of Kentucky's Department of Corrections. Um, they found a way to fund the reentry branch for the DOC that identifies offenders who are at a greater risk for returning to prison and offering them cognitive behavior therapy and role playing tailored to their needs. So there is an effort being made, um, but that effort definitely needs to be um, forced more within different states. And a huge factor of it is um, overcrowding in the prisons. And I mean, this may be a weird connection, but like you think of like the the documentary Blackfish and you see these, this this may sound so strange at first, but you see these 12,000 pound killer whales in a bathtub. And of course they're gonna go crazy and attack their trainers. Whereas you have overcrowding to the max in jail cells. Like that's just like part of like our brain. Like you can only expect people to be in cramped spaces with horrible living conditions for so long to get out and then not want to go absolutely crazy. So that's just kind of a connection I made, but um, yeah, there are efforts being made, but I feel like there's definitely a need for reciprocation of these Norwegian styles of um, correctional facilities. And with that, I will pass it on to Chloe and Greta. All right, so we'll jump right into it. Um, we're gonna be talking about the practices that the US system can adopt uh, to improve themselves. So I'm just gonna kind of start with the question and then I'm gonna read a quote and then I'm gonna share with you a little bit of the research that I did. Um, so the question is gonna be, in order to adopt for policies for the incarceration and the penalty system in the United States, will it be required to also change the lens and perspective of people within our society? So it's basically asking, do we as a society need to make some sort of change before these laws can make a change um, and we can better our system? Um, and so the quote here that I found is, uh, the United States high prison population rates could be simply the product of national characteristics, such as its people, geography, eco its economy, and politics. Um, and in Norway, a country that has just radically different characteristics, this might not have anything to offer the United States in terms of rethinking our policy. Um, so that's basically saying Norway and the United States are both such different countries that there might not be much to learn or much to take from their system to improve our own just based on these differences. Um, 
So what I kind of took from this and what I want to talk a little bit about um, are just the values of each country themselves. So in America, uh, one of our main values, the first thing that came to my mind was freedom. Um, and the second thing that came to my mind was the fact that we are called the, I think it's the home of the free and the land of the brave or something of that sort. So bravery, freedom, something like that. I don't know. But um, so I think it's funny because then I looked at Norway's and Norway's values, the first ones that popped up were humility, respect, simplicity, and equality. Um, so if we just wanna kind of talk about the difference between those and maybe how that can have an effect on our prison system. And if anybody wants to just correct the quote I just said, that would be awesome. <laughs> no, I was just laughing because of deliver the delivery. You were like cautious about it. You nailed it. <laughs> it was oh, just okay. like it you right. nailed it. I wasn't laughing because you you did it wrong. I was laughing because like it was just so funny. You're like, hand landed free in the home of the brave, I think. <laughs> it was just it was good. It was good. Um yeah, yeah so it, going off those values, I mean, it's just very interesting that America's main value is freedom and then the prison system the first thing they take away is that main value that our entire country is based on so what are your thoughts on that yeah it's definitely um a definitely an opposite that they present in that sense because we uh, we might go to say something but at the end of the day like uh, one of our primary um they say this all the time in philosophy one of our main things is to try and be efficient to avoid chaos um, they said that all the time in our ethics and philosophy courses that we were trying to get rid of chaos. One of the first things that we correlate to chaos is something that's different. And so that correlation with something that's different based on action directly correlates to that increase in mass incarceration and the increase or the decrease in the quality of life and all these different factors because we're like it's a it's an act of trying to teach a lesson to something that we see. As, as causing that chaos. I, I always think of philosophy. That's the one thing that I think of when I think of um, like that, like that opposite there. No, that, that, yeah, that totally makes sense. I just thought it was interesting that Norway doesn't seem to have, they don't seem to value freedom as much, but they also seem to take account for it within their prison system uh, to some degree. And obviously they're about respect and equality, which our country's still working on. Um, so yeah, but Greta, do you want to add anything to that? Cause I know that we kind of looked into the same area. Yeah, so definitely. Um, the one thing I, I don't really have a question, but it's more of like a couple facts and it was in order for us to be or not to be like Norway and some ideas like we could do to better ourselves to be as similar is lower mass incarceration rates and some of the things that involve that is things like seeking probation treatment and community services first before putting people into prisons and if anything if anyone has anything briefly to share on that we can quickly do that no i agree um i feel like um sometimes they're quick to throw someone in jail and like you see different instances of one crime being much harsher than another, even though the crime seems worse, they got way more time than someone else. I feel like giving um, an opportunity, like as we we're talking earlier, like marijuana users um, in states that it is illegal to give them the chance. Maybe that's one where you say, okay, this person does community service because it's not as, um, as bad as maybe as bad as killing someone or breaking into someone's house or stealing something. Um, so that's kind of just where I was going with that.
Yeah, nice. Um, I do think that's a nice like peel together of all the different factors. Um, very nice closer um, to everybody. Um, and that actually concludes today's podcast. So we would just like to thank everybody for taking the time to be able to come out and speak and like hear us speak about these different perspectives. The next podcast, the specific group will be discussing about will actually be covering a documentary slash uh, retelling of a mass genocide that took place in Oslo, Norway. So make sure to check out that. We want to make sure that, that you know that you should follow us on our Anchor, as well as our Spotify and Apple Podcasts, which will all be provided in the description of this podcast as well. With, but with all of that um, being said, thank you so much for your time. Um, and um, thank you for watching The Inside. Thank you. Come again. Thank you.